That's exactly right. And, and you guys, I'm just going to kick it off with a little recap because we're at episode 31. We just published this morning the conversation with the head of global change management for PepsiCo. And uh, like last night, what you saw in the forest and what we're working on now is really a recap to ask the question, what the heck have we learned about the people initiatives? And um, today I'm just like, I'm jazzed to talk about, you know, how do we transcend organizational silos of expertise, silos keep hearing silos about everything. Employee data, silos, right? Expertise, silos, leadership, silos. How do we go beyond that? But uh, what was intriguing about our early conversations, you know, it wasn't even the program that you guys created, which I can't wait to talk about, but it's the chemistry of the team that created the program. And I realize it's not just the three of you. Uh, there's an entire stakeholder team that's supporting you across these silos that we'll talk about. But um, the three of you bring something interesting into the conversation. Okay. When I have a one-on-one, there's chemistry. And I've been avoiding having more than one guest just because chemistry is hard when you go beyond two people. Every new person you add, it's like it gets weird and awkward. And this is our third or fourth conversation, the four of us. And the three of you are operating like a unit. And then in, in the beginning, you are all laughing with me. You were like, we're Avengers. I'm like, yeah, right. This is just for, no, you were like serious about being Avengers. So we got to kick this off. You know, do you have a Thor? Do you have a Hulk? I'm going to go to you, Matt, first, then Ina, then Christine. Like, what's this Avenger thing? How serious are you taking this? <laughs> do we want to start, we, Matt, we want to start there right yeah, now? Yeah, Matt, let's yeah. go straight into the Avenger right, conversation because this is where it all begins. Sure, that's great. Yeah, well, you know, we, we do try to bring these elements of fun uh, into our working team, you know, we, so, you know, we've been able to assemble this great cast of team members we got stakeholders, we got, you know, executive sponsors. And, and so the idea of, Hey, this is, this is kind of like the Avengers, you know, uh, we all have our, our own roles and, and, you know, superpowers in the sense of, you know, things that we're gifted at, um, and that, that we are passionate about and that we, that we do well. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's clear roles and responsibilities, but, but we all have each other's back. We're all working, um, together. So it just kind of flowed out this concept of a, of Avenger team. And so we just had, we've had fun with it. Everybody's picked a character and, and, you know, usually they, they reflect their skill sets or their, or their personalities. So yeah, we have a Thor and an Iron Man and, Captain America and Star Lord and Spider Man, Doctor Strange, you know the the whole, the whole work and works and you know we have some non Marvel characters as well. Uh, Christine, <laughs> well, no, because so Christine, you're you're Mrs. Oz, right? From yeah. the 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 Wizard yeah. of Oz, the behind the scenes. Um, what? Why is that, Christine? Why are you? Oh well, normally, so unlike this podcast, I normally like to stay behind the scenes. I'm not usually in the forefront uh, speaking. I usually am supporting those who are speaking, you know, so as a comms person, it's usually just a, a major support. So I like to refer to myself as Oz because I'm behind the curtain, you know, kind of helping the, the talking head <laughs> in a sense. So there was no Avengers character at, at that time that had that superpower. So I was like, you know, I think I'm, I'm just going to switch it off to becoming Mrs. Oz. So they call me that. Hey, now. we're making up the rules as we go. So why, why the yeah, heck not? Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the first team that I've had a character on. But to, to Matt's point, I think it's it's 
fun because it also provides buy-in from each of us of like, we have to really internalize our characters so that we can contribute to the team. And, and it's, it's been great. I mean, I, I feel like having this sense of camaraderie and, and really designating each person to a certain character has brought in our team to life um, that I haven't been a part of, you know, in my career, I feel like I've never designated myself as a Marvel or a, a, or a comic character ever. So it's kind of neat. Just just a few years. It's a it's been a it's been a short career, you know. Um, and and I I actually to be honest, um, yeah. So I just hit uh, twenty seven years, um, at the beginning of, of December, and uh, within those twenty seven years, I've really I've been in three roles. Um, so I am I'm a, a, a long term um, role player, and I like to to get into an organization and uh, learn everything I can about it, master everything I can. Um, and, you know, every 10, 15 years or so, I'll move on and, and do another challenge. And so, um, but I, I will say my, my current role is probably my favorite um, because it's, it's completely outside of where I come from. I come from a mechanical engineering background. And um, so started off in, in research and development and then reliability. Um, now I'm in operations. And I've never done operations and, and, you know, most of what I'm doing right now is HR related and I don't have any HR background, but you know, this, the skill sets that I do have, I, um, I, I can bring to this team and, um, and that's, that's the fun thing about us. I mean, none of us are traditional HR people, right? Christine is marketing and, you know, Ina's engineering background and, and, and uh, workforce development and, so, you know, again, it's that we, we all have our skills and, you know, we, we came together to create this team and, and, you know, we even have pictures of ourselves, of our characters on our, on our um, presentations that we give. And you, you uh, guys are taking it seriously. Oh, yeah. And Matt, you, you, yeah. you're somewhat of, of a unicorn, you know, from an analytical yeah. mindset, same organization, still excited, spearheading the innovation. Ina, your take on the Avengers. Uh, my take, I was thinking what what are we who are we and it's really about the goldilocks mix of skills experiences and personalities and i was wondering what are some of the some key ingredients that really make us who we are because we are unique and it's recognized internally externally we're having fun we evolved into brand and the three uh, ingredients that come to mind are passion pride and humility and you may wonder, what does passion have to do with, you know, passion is about being passionate and all in about what we do and why we do it. But pride and humility are often viewed as kind of the opposites. But we all have pride in leading with mastery. Uh, we have pride in our work. But on the other hand, we have enough pinch of humility to be able to learn, change and evolve, learn from each other, learn from our um, stakeholders learn from external environment and evolve so that we can deliver the best results in regardless of the external or internal environment. And uh, another thing is, um, and both Matt and Christine um, alluded to it, there is no competition uh, in our Avenger team. As motivated, as driven as we are, 
We play to win as one team, just like Avengers do or superheroes do in the movies. Love that. Love that. And and the chemistry that we're experiencing now and this vibe, this is the vibe. This is four conversation, literally no change in vibe. Maybe the vibe changes a little if you guys, you know, uh, have a few drinks or something, but that, that remains to be seen. But but here's... Vibe gets better with a few drinks, Adam. <laughs> um, so what I'd like to do now is I'm, I'm going to ask you a question we haven't discussed, and then we're going to kind of talk about what is this, what was the trigger moment for the creation of the program? How did you build the program, right? And Matt, in our discussion, you said jumping off the cliffs, start to build, and then they get passengers on board. Love that. But I'm going to do kind of like, you know, if you could because the TAP program has been really successful. And that's what intrigued me, right? You've done something extraordinary. It's not just within the organization, creating change. It's not just one pilot you've run, you're scaling. So it's been validated. You have partners that are outside of your organization, including the academia, which is very difficult to do, right? From personal experience, we've tried to partner with academia. And I don't know how you've accomplished it. Maybe that's a separate podcast. But uh, we'll go to Christine first, then Ina, then Matt. The question is, you know, kind of a couple things that are, because for the listeners, I want them to kind of get the buy-in to listen to the rest of this episode, right? What are the successes of the TAP program from your perspective? Why would someone care to learn about the successes that, you, that you've created through this program? So, Christine, maybe you first kind of do, do a single, single sure. click highlights first, and then maybe I'll double click on a few before we get into the program. Sure. Um, I think this program, the successes have been because of the the need to do this internal first mo- uh, mentality within the, the company. And it's a shift in our culture for Seagate where we really wanted to grow the, the team we have versus, you know, a team that we, we want to have um, and to nurture that internally first. So, uh, creating a, an environment where development and learning is a priority and it's felt and throughout, you know, the company from the top down and down up, you know, was why it was created and why it is so successful is because we really have that support from our executive team um, and it's consistent with all of the messaging um, that we do to our, our, our audience, to our participants pretty much. Um, and we customize it based on the needs of the business at that specific time. Um, so that is, I feel like, why it's grown so much and has become popular within the company. You know, if you said those, the first two and not the third, like there, were, I, I was having the pause. I'm like, mm, yeah. are we going to go to the business side of things? Are we going to talk about the business outcomes? And, and I got to say, in this recap that we're working on now of what we've learned in the last six months, if you want to be relevant in L&D, in uh, change management, in any kind of a people initiatives, you must get close to the business outcomes. If you don't, you're just, uh, you know, you're over there. Your option is nice to have. Ina, uh, how would you think about the success of TAP? Should I say TAP or TAP? Yeah, uh, we we call it tap. Yeah, to sh- it's it's a lot to say, <laughs> so we shorten it. To me, the success of tap, the big component of it is having the seat at the table at the executive level, and also with our employees. The program is completely voluntary. It takes a lot of efforts, university level curriculum, dedication over time. Nevertheless, we're constantly sold out. Uh, a lot of times by 40%, by 60 we don't have to bring people to the table. They want to be at the table. And um, I believe the culture, this key ingredients that I talked about, really are a big driver 
people see the passion, they see the purpose, and also we'll listen. Listening is key. We'll listen to our stakeholders, we'll listen to our partners, and we uh, listen to our customers, uh, employees. And we change. We're open to admit that this is what we're going to change based on your feedback. And this builds trust. And that's how we earn seat at the table. I, I love the term sold out because often we talk about mandatory or we talk about the voluntold, right? Like, yeah, yeah sure, it's optional, but we'll check if you're, if, if you're there and if you're in attendance. Uh, l- love that. So, Matt, we'll go to you. But, Matt, what does TAP stand for? I realized I didn't, even, yeah. you know, I didn't <laughs> even say it. I just went straight to TAP, TAP, TAP. Yeah, so uh, Talent Acceleration Program. And uh, we went through a couple iterations before we settled on this one. And this, you know, this really, you know, captured what we're trying to do is, is take the the existing talent that we have in the company. Uh, we have fantastic resources, um, highly skilled uh, people, and um, how do we really invest in them? Right. I mean, a lot of people will talk about that. Right. We've had a lot of people on talking about L&D and, and how we train people. And I loved your conversation with uh, Terrence from Emerson talking about business objectives versus, um, or business outcomes versus learning objectives. And, you know, and, and that is really one of the big highlights of our, of our program is, is we're, not, we're not focused on the learning objectives. This is not learning for learning's sake. Um, nobody's being, you know, told to go do this voluntold, right? Um, use the, uh, the, the, the prisoner uh, example in that in that podcast, and no, I, everybody that we um, that we serve wants to do this, um, and you know, see, so we've got a thousand people that have raised their hand, and and many of them are doing it because they want to to um, to change roles, and this is a huge enabler um, in the company. I've never seen this uh, in my years with a company. This attitude of of hey, we need people over in a, in, in these new areas of the company. And we're willing to train you, um, and you can come from this the, from this part of the organization. You can move over to the other organization. We'll we'll you know do everything we need to um, you know from a learning standpoint, from a logistics standpoint. And believe me, there's a lot of logistics that we've had to figure out of how do we get people from here to there within a company, um, you know, because of the silos and um, you know and, and not in my backyard and resource hoarding and. Um, and these issues and, and, um, uh, but you know, we're really, this, this is a way the company has, um, put feet on its words of, yeah, we, we support our people. Um, and they've demonstrated, they've, they've spent the money, they've spent the time, they've, you know, changed the processes they've, um, you know, and so to me, this, that's, that's the big thing about what we've been able to do is, is, you know, really put some, some meat on this concept of empowering employees to learn things that they will need to learn, that the company needs them to learn, um, and enable people to move around. Uh, I mean, you, you talked about, hey, putting me behind, you know, putting a, a kind of action behind your words. I mean, we live in the world of people initiatives where it's so easy to talk about people first, purpose, values, leadership behaviors. We believe in, in talent here, all the things, you know, we, but, but, but when it comes time to allocating resources, budgets, growing capabilities, all of a sudden, where are the business outcomes? This is what we're going to focus on, and this is a uh, you know this is over there. And and when we spoke about the program, this really came through for me. You, you built it in what five months from, and you said those were these are your words: whiteboard to launch inside an enterprise. I mean, pff, 
mind blown, right? Like in, in that period of time, that sounds like a startup. It sounds like a, a startup came together and said, we're going to go do something and we're not going to sleep or, or eat or, you know, we're just going to, we're going to crush it. So I'm going to go to Ina, Christine, Matt, and just like maybe what would be, as you look back at the, at the success of getting it there in five months, maybe one or two lessons at a single click for now, like how do you think about what did you do to make this successful from whiteboard to launch in five months. Ina first. All right. Um, I think it starts with this entrepreneurial mindset. We really did lean into it as a talent upskilling startup. And this is how we position what we do as a small uh, core team at the time. And our core team included chiefs of staffs of some of our key executives. We were all in and we said, we're going to lean in. We're going to experiment. We may not get everything right the first time. We're also used some of the successes with some other approaches as a kind of a launch pad and built from there. And we're going to experiment and learn early. So we're going to launch in five months and we're going to keep iterating based on feedback and based on business needs. And I think setting the stage that we are a talent upskilling startup really helped us be successful and launch in five months. Christine, we're there, and maybe you already have the response, but, you know, and maybe it's for you or Matt. I'm also curious from a stakeholder perspective, early on, who are the important stakeholders to build involved in the process? So if you don't, you know, if you weren't thinking that, you don't have to, we'll just come back to it in a little bit. Okay. Um, well, the stakeholders, really, we needed the support from the top because ultimately, when it comes to having a priority list of company strategic initiatives that need to be in place for us, you know, for the next couple of years, we needed that that type of, of support. So I feel like that kind of guidance and, and that prioritization needed to come from the top because, you know, ultimately our team will then gather together to support whatever, you know, they feel like is necessary to, to build our, our, to build Seagate for success in, in the next, you know, five to 10 years. So that needed to, to happen. But as far as building it in the five month, keep in mind, we did this in during COVID pretty much, you know, so we, this program's gone through the VUCA test of, you know, so many different um, uh, problematic areas that could have happened at that time with everyone, you know, working from home, um, all of the, you know, just the various issues that came during that time period. And we're still kind of seeing it now with the economic, you know, downturn in the market. And so it's just been nice to, to build a program, but also keep on reinventing it to be successful every time something like this happens. Perfect. Matt, you know, what are, what are some of the things, I, I do talk about things now a lot, like I, with the conversation with kids and I'm just things. What, what are the things that you did with it? The things, yes. Yeah, yeah the well, things I'm, that you did. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep running with you know, something that Christine said about, you know, the executive support. And I think this was, this was huge. You know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of projects where you come up with a great idea and you try to push it uphill. And, you know, it's not very successful. So I think that's, that's one of the, the, the biggest um, pieces that helped us be successful and run so fast. Um, one of them is significant support from the executive team. And this ties into our, our um, uh, you know, our focus on the business objectives. And, you know, because everybody, 
asked us how you know how do you get such good support and how do you how do you get you know a buy-in from from management and and it, the simple answer is by listening to them by talking to them what you know what do you need um you know as you look out and you're you're doing your your planning for your roadmap or your three-year planning or whatever it is that you that you use for the future what do you need um because we want to help and you know and, and we're focused on a particular area of, of 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 training people and preparing them for the future um but if you if you can understand what those needs are and you can show them that you can deliver on those needs well who wouldn't want to support you right the, 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 these are the kinds of people you want to surround yourself with who understand what you need and are able to help you get it so um so that was one of the 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 uh the big enablers uh was our executive support and then we've got such a fantastic high performing team and you know we're from all different areas of the business right we're 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 not <laughs> we we never knew each other before uh, before we got together, um, you know, Christine and I have never met in person. Um, and but, you know, when you when you surround yourself with really fantastic people, and you you're all bought in, you know, you can accomplish so much so fast. Feels like they're sitting right next to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A saying came to mind: a "Steel sharpens steel," right? So when you're uh, with around with people. Um, of this caliber, um, that's when you accomplish things. And, and maybe for the listener, let's just give them just a little color. The program itself, what kind of, I mean, are we talking about workshops? Are we talking about, you know, online? Is this an array of different skills? And I know we can go really, really deep into it. There's so much involved. But I just want to dismiss for the audience that maybe there's something here that, you know, that that's, uh, you know, they haven't seen before. Maybe there is. Can you guys provide some high-level pillars that are the makeup of this program? Well, let's go to maybe who wouldn't still go first? I'll I'll jump in. Um, so this is university-level training. Uh, so we've identified um, for each of each of the areas we call them you know, specialty tracks. So um, you know, think new technologies that are um, becoming more important to companies. Uh, I'll give an example of, of security, right? Online security. We talk about data breaches and 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 those things. So, it, it the idea of having uh, many experts in your company in the area of security, right? A lot of tech companies, a lot of non-tech companies now um, uh, need that type of training. So, what can you do in a year um, to get people um, up to speed on uh, what they need to know for um, something like security. So it's university level classes and it's, you know, eight to 10 classes. It's about a year, sometimes a little longer, depending on the difficulty of the courses. But, um, you know, these are some off the shelf um, courses that our university partner has. Um, many of them are custom. And so we work with, with the university and we work with uh, internal stakeholders, you know, people who are experts in this area within the company. Um, who know what people need to know uh, and will build um, courses. And so this is, it's a, it's a fairly significant commitment. With you, I mean, a year, and that shows true investment into, you know, into your team members. And, you know, you, you talked about the vertical and horizontal integration, right? Because again, we're, we're talking about breaking silos here. 
silos exist across all levels. How, how do you think about um, the integrations that we discussed? I consider, and I thought about it um, from different angles, that we really, within a year, we evolved as a new brand, uh, if you will, its own brand of a high-performing team, an adventure team. Uh, and vertical and horizontal integrations means that our executive stakeholders, as well as our internal and external partners, are co-members of the team. And this serves a few purposes. Of course, the agility, decision speed, the ability to pivot as external environment change. We do it as a unit, as one team. But most importantly, it really builds this sense of one team and we win as a team on all levels and also accountability on all levels, including up to executive level with commitments and decisions. So that's what I mean by vertical and horizontal uh, integration. And now with you, you guys as, uh, as all our adventure team, right? You're getting our story out, so you are in. So that's the concept. And in fact, we are starting to hear um, actually with a, with a good frequency when some challenging opportunity or strategic goal arises, uh, we get questions like, I have ventures on it. So we are a brand. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Um, I, I can imagine it's rewarding for you, for, for you all. You know, it's like, hey, we're calling on for the Avengers. And, and I think it's also important to touch, touch on a bit on the, the impact this program creates from a recruiting perspective. It's not just for, you know, within the organization, those that are fortunate enough to be a part of the company that makes this type of investment. Christine, can you talk about, you know, how does this show up on the recruiting side? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, our, our I've been with the company for two years now, and I've been with Fortune this is my third Fortune 500 company that, that I've been with. Um, I've never experienced a culture like Seagate's where it's you re- they really care about the, the employees. Um, and with that said, you know, it's for me, it's rewarding from my personal standpoint because I feel valued as far as um, my contributions to the team to help bring opportunities to employees because, you know, we've we've really brought this not only to our, our um, what we call the, uh, our, our, our employees who are in the office, but also to manufacturing employees, right? It's, it's all across the board. Like we, I've never seen such an openness and um, of opportunities for everyone in the company. That's literally our, our culture is we always want to think, how can we deliver this to not just the professionals, but, you know, every of the manufacturing employees as well, you know, our manufacturing specialists. And so with recruitment, this is, this is key. I mean, I think a lot of employees or a lot of um, people looking for companies really want to grow these days. And um, we have, we've been kind of a secret little jewel in the company, but the secret's out, I feel like. And it's a good thing because Seagate really is, doing a development culture uh, within ourselves. And we are prioritize, prioritizing that uh, with our employees. And it's it's leaking, you know, it's leaking to the external world now because everyone's really proud of where we've come from in the past two years and, and where we're headed. So as far as recruitment, this is a key piece for them to, to bring in people who want to be a part of this culture. And you can see, like, if company A you work for, you know, has the following available and company B has the following plus a university inside the organization, that if you are the type of person that's looking to accelerate your career, 
right? That's the organization you join, right? That That's yeah. of more interest to you. If you're looking for high-performing and high-performing by definition, those folks are looking to continue to accelerate their careers. Um, universities, right? So, so let's talk just briefly about univer- probably a separate podcast or a couple that we can do on that. But, um, you know, wh- which one of you, or maybe it's all of you, uh, can you comment on what ha- what is the university role has been? Again, single click for now. And also, what is the recognition that you've received? Because you're doing something that is a hybrid. This is, this is highly unusual. Sounds good. Um, and I will probably uh, start with briefly highlighting at the very high level how we choose a partner, because we're very purposeful who we partner with. If you recall, TAP program was designed to meet and fulfill strategic skill set needs of the company. So we needed a partner with a startup business mentality and uh, the partner who could scale up and down with us, who could co-create, co-create with us, who could partner with us on all levels. And um, therefore, we looked at the number of academic um, partners and we chose the one that fit this mold, that are willing to evolve into new ways of partnering between academia and business. Uh, so this is what we are. We're a talent upskilling startup and our partner should fit the same mold to run with us. Totally, totally. Matt, do you want to pick up from there? Yeah, and, and that's that's been really just a, a key to our success is, is partnering with, um, with a supplier that has the same mentality. Um, cause we could run super fast within the company, but if we can't, um, you know, get the, the product in this case, the learning, uh, in, in, in the time manner that, you know, that timeliness that we need, you know, we, we would not have been successful, uh, if we couldn't get, um, the customization that we need. Cause some of the things that were, that were training in, inside the company, you know, there, there is, there's not many people in the world that know these things, right? This is, this is new tech, we're a tech company. There's a lot of new technology. And, you know, so to be able to partner with, um, you know, with somebody who has that depth um, uh, internally is, is, is great. And um, that's really helped us be, um, be successful. And, and they're as flexible as we are, right? So we're not, we're not tied into those kind of you know, those, those, those contracts where, you know, we're, we're talking about butts in seats, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not, uh, um, you know, that's not what we need to be flexible and agile and respond to the business, right? We're, um, we're not trying to sell tickets to training. We're trying to, to meet the, the, the business objectives. And so, um, having that, that training partner, um, have that same mindset, well, where they're just not trying to, you know, fill their own, um, uh, you know, classes, right? They're willing to work with us, whether it's small classes, large classes, you know, offering it in the way that we need. We're a global company. We got to be able to um, um, to deliver this to anybody, anywhere. Uh, it, that's been so, been key. Just interesting choice of words you said, you know, product, in this case, learning and development. Uh, you know, it's uh, only a few times I've heard of folks refer to learning and development as a product. And the first time I've heard of it, I was like, oh, did you make a mistake? You know, really? And now as I hear it, I'm like, well, you, you know, wait a second, the way we think about product and the user experience and the way we think about the journey, this is this is a very interesting reframing. And the second thing you said is customization a customization of the university, of the curriculum, 
holy moly, you're basically hybrid of, hey, they understand certain aspects, you understand your industry, your depth, what you need. You got to blend it. This is uh, highly, in- Christine, your thoughts on the partnership with, with the universities? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like a big part was the quality of the experience, because if our participants, if the our students were not getting a great you know, learning experience, they're going to drop out or they're going to, you know, our ratings are going to be, you know, down. And and that was huge when we looked at, at what universities could do this, because we really do keep track. Like we have MPI scores with them. So and they listen to feedback from the students if they're not happy with teachers. You know, we revamp the courses on a regular basis because we want a quality experience for for our consumers, our, our, our students, our participants, you know, and that's pretty much why we've been really successful the past couple of years, because our partner is really, it's, it's like an extension of our own selves. They are really formulating these training um, curriculums to help prepare the employees for where we need to go for Seagate's future. Totally. And you said our consumer Right. This is this is a, a perfect entry point. And, and if I had the soundtrack, I'd probably play the like the Star Trek to go where no man has gone before. Doo, 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 doo. Like we're consumerization, been thinking a lot about consumerization. And, and we had Spirit Airlines come on. I think it's been a month since that interview. And I, I get some pushback like, hey, this is we're not here to sell stuff. Right. Some may think consumerization is about sales, but but no consumerization is about really, you know, it's this idea that the employees emerging as the primary driver, like they they are the focus. This is what happened when first iPhones and iPads were introduced inside enterprise, right? They helped to say, wait, you know, why are we having clunky technologies? This idea that we need to reorient our product, Matthew said product, how do we reorient our products? So in this next set of questions and, and conversations, really, Thinking about how would you take TAP, right? And how would you think about, cons- you know, meeting the pressure to consumerize the employee experience? And as I think about TAP and you think about the employee experience through that, you know, step one is awareness, maybe awareness, then interest. Are you thinking about, hey, how do we launch, you know, the broader uh, awareness within the organization of the programs that are available? Or how do you have folks who raise their hand maybe to learn a little bit more? Like how, talk to me a bit and let's go to Matt first and Christine, then Ina. Like, you know, what is your thought process to meet this pressure to consumerize? And again, to me, consumerization is also, I'm on Instagram. Everyone around me is on social media. I see a long paragraph, like a long email with many paragraphs. My brain just goes, wait a second, leave. That's for a different point in time. So Matt, consumerization. Yeah, I think that's that's a great concept. And I agree with it. It's not about, you know, the the bad side of when you think of consumerization, about selling people things. We're, We're not here to sell people things. We're here to provide solutions to people. Um, and, and, you know, one of the, the great success stories um, th- that relates to this is when we started, we were focusing on uh, what we call our, our specialty tracks, which are, are pretty in-depth technical training. And we had a huge demand for it and um, more than we could, um, than we could take on. And, uh, you know, since these are fairly in-depth um, topics, there's, there's some prerequisites and some, you know, some knowledge that, that people need. 
And, um, and we had people come back to us and are saying, you know, we really want to do this. I, I want to learn these things. I want to move into these roles. I, I need this type of training for my job because this new technology is coming into my role now, you know, and, and I need to come up to speed, but I just, I just don't have the, that, that foundational knowledge, those prerequisites to get into it. And so, um, that was our first expansion. Um, and this was the second quarter that after launch. So we had launched our first three, five months after the whiteboard, and then immediately um, developed and launched um, another mode of training, which was, you know, this more foundational, what we call our, our boot camps. And, and, and this is uh, the, t the training that you need to get into this more advanced training. Um, and so we're, we're trying to provide you know, for everybody, regardless of where you're at, um, in your, in your, in your experience and, and background and, and, you know, so it's, it's listening to what, um, to what our customers, this would be the employees and, and those employees that want to be, that participate and learn and develop and, and providing the, you know, what they need in order to succeed. And so it's, it's, it's all about, um, from this standpoint, we look at, we've got, Two sets of customers. We've got our executive stakeholders and with the business objectives, and then we've got our our uh, other consumer customers, uh, which would be the employees who want to take this training, who want to learn and develop, and and they have needs, you know, of of uh, you know they want to be able to, um, you know, to get the learning that fits their schedule. Everybody's got jobs, so maybe it's a weekend, maybe it's evenings, you know, uh, we you know, working with management, Hey, you know, let's, let's let them do this, you know, as part of their job. Right. And, and uh, they're in office hours. And, and as Christine mentioned about the feedback from the university and the performance there. And um, so that's how I look at this consumerization is, is we, we spend a lot of time and focus, you know, as our company looking at our customers and what they want and getting that feedback. Um, and well, let's, let's apply that to our little startup and the customers, which are the employees, and to see what they really need, um, and then adjust. And you know, we we ended up having over 400 people um, sign up for these boot camps. Uh, and again, this was this was the second quarter um, after our launch, and it was it's, it's, it's been our, our most popular um, offering. That's that speaks to the demand, right? That speaks to the product you've created. Uh, Christine, how do you think about consumerization or the pressures to consumerize? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like with my marketing background, I've always looked at employees as consumers. Um, uh, you know, they are our customers in a sense, but they're also human beings and we have to treat them as, as such, you know, and so with, with that, you know, it's just really important to know the demographic that you are tailoring your whatever it is the products solutions programs initiatives that we are developing for that specific audience so that it fits their need for the specific moment for not only the business but for the employee and themselves you know it has to really um tailor to that specific moment in life so that they can buy in you know no, no pun intended totally. buy into what we're selling you know, and so this is where I feel like Seagate's really turning our leaf uh, over and, and becoming a best in class company when it re 
when it comes to this because we've really developed and looked at the customer experience from an employee standpoint to help them, I guess, in a way, sell a product that they might not even know that they want, you know, in a sense. And that's, I think, a great, a great, um, a great positive thing for our company to do for our employees, just to provide growth. You know, if we're not going to grow as a company, if we can't grow our individual contributors, um, so consumerizing is nothing new, but like I said, it's, you know, tailoring it to the human aspect of, of it is important as well. You see, that's an interesting thought. W- without them even knowing that they want it or, or they need it, it's almost like AirPods. I, I didn't know. They looked very weird when I first saw the AirPods. They look like, why? I'd never wear, well, now I have three pairs of AirPods. I get the latest generation. They're, they're a game changer, right? Because they, they, it was designed with me in mind. I didn't know that that's what I needed. And uh, I'll go to Ina, but just just a heads up, I'm curious about to understand them, to understand the employees, I don't like the word employees, humans, to understand the humans in an organization. It's about underst- you understand them through data, data around their employee experience. So I'm actually, I'm curious about the future of the university. Are you thinking about, you know, communicating to them based on who they are, based on their employee experience and their journey, all of the things, but Ina, maybe uh, reflect on consumerization and I gave a heads up to start thinking about, hey, I'm curious about data next. Sounds good. Um, at a high level, really the future of uh, experience, of cons- consumerization of employee experience is closely intertwined with the future of work itself. How, where, by whom, with whom the work is done. And this in turn requires innovations uh, in all aspects of talent processes across employee experience, recruiting and development and compensation, etc., etc. However, most importantly, it calls for creation of a culture to unleash and maximize what we call motivation or drive in diverse group of employees across the globe, each with their own aspirations, uh, dreams, uh, superpowers, if you will, right, uh, and mastery. And in a way, um, incubate, nurture, connect, and enable adventure teams to move beyond what was thought is possible. Totally agreed with you. I mean, just, you know, we, we talk to folks across countries, languages, perspectives, backgrounds. Oh, my goodness. We actually, um, the podcast that we published today with, uh, with folks at, at PepsiCo, we talked about neurodiversity. Folks that are enter, especially with COVID and the facts after COVID, those that may have had, you know, ADHD, the challenges and and how they're processing information, but couldn't agree more. Um, So my question about, you know, we we think a lot about employee experience on the podcast. And to me, the employee experience is kind of like customer experience. How do you understand that experience? Well, you look at data. You look at data. What kind of data? That's a separate conversation. But how how are you guys thinking about whether it's V next of tap or maybe V final and you're dreaming, thinking about one day? Uh, actually, are are you? Is this program you think would be available for other organizations? If someone is listening in and goes, "Oh my goodness, this is so amazing! I, I'd like to consider this for my company." Uh, and I know I'm asking question and another question, so I'll come back to the previous one. I got excited. Like, what happens if someone wants to learn more or wants to consider it for their organization? Oh, whoa! I, I call you guys. <laughs> no. 
we're thinking. Well, yes. yeah, there's there's we're there's thinking, a lot of things we could say. I mean, so we 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 have you know been exploring opportunities to to share this, um, our experience and the, the the lessons that we've learned and and how to to implement this type of mentality um, to other uh, other companies. You know, um, in in the area of the, the country that I am, and we're fairly involved in the um, the Baldridge. Uh, community and and uh, so we're, we're looking at that as an opportunity to share and um, you know Nina can talk about some of the the awards that that we've been able to run or win uh, which gives us an opportunity a platform to share um, at this point you know we we haven't really um, been thinking of of how do we bring it outside of the company um, uh, but you know it's certainly something that that I think other companies, uh, can can certainly do within their own organizations. I, I think, honestly, I think should um, do is is you know think about how you can. Well, let me give an example. So, I spent many years um, managing people and equipment, and we had you know millions and millions of dollars worth of of test equipment, and every year. Um, we would figure out, you know, what are we going to do this year to upgrade the equipment and, you know, large capital budgets and, and, uh, upgrade programs. And, and we wanted to make sure that all of our equipment is keeping up with, um, with all the, the latest trends. Um, uh, maybe it's a new technology, maybe it's uh, the roadmap changes, maybe we're getting into a different market space. Um, but our equipment is so important to us. We spent a lot of money on it. So we want to make sure that we can, you know, update it and adapt it and, and make it more reliable, make it more efficient, make it, you know, capable for whatever the new technologies are. And, you know, this type of mentality I want to employ or I want to, um, uh, to bring over to how we think about our employees. They are, as many companies say, they're our most important resource. Well, you know, are we are we really putting the effort um, that we would on our equipment? Are we putting that kind of effort to keep our people uh, well-maintained, um, upgraded with the latest knowledge and learning and experiences and understanding of technology, understanding of new markets, of new roadmaps, of, you know, whatever. It's part of change management. <clears throat> are we really taking that, that time and effort and that money um, to apply that to our employees? And, you know, that's kind of the, you, you've asked about what the future, what the, the, the tap V next looks like. And it's, it's just a deeper integration in, in my mind of this mentality of, of we've, we've got amazing resources within our company. And if I'm an organizational leader, <clears throat> I'm going to look at my, the, the, the people that I have, and I'm going to look out five years and, and where does my organization need to be? What are the risks? What are the opportunities? What are the challenges? And where are the gaps um, in my people? And, you know, in addition to where's the gaps in my equipment, where's the gaps in my in global footprint, where's the, you know, supply chain, all those other types of things. How do I apply that to my employees to get them what they need so that we can meet the objectives five years from now? So it's it's a real deep integration of this type of thinking that we're honestly we we just scratched the surface, you know, and we've only been doing it a year and a half. So, <laughs> well, you, you did. You're starting to validate the ROI potentially 
early days, but now the question is, how do you scale this? How do you, how do you scale this to a level where this, as you said, in, you know, it's part of the mentality, but also part of processes, technology. There's, there's a lot, lots involved. You know, I saw you being ready to jump in there as well. Go, go ahead, please. Oh, absolutely. Um, we um, incubated the program and we agreed right away that we're going to operate as a talent upskilling startup. And this has not changed. We're going to continue to operate this way. And this means that we put a product uh, and our aim is to scale the product. And going back to your question, can it be scaled outside Seagate? Yes, absolutely. The approach could be definitely scaled outside Seagate. And uh, we're starting to expand externally pretty uh, fast, considering that we're now only a um, year and a half old. Uh, we were awarded Brendan Hall Bronze Award, Best Program Supporting Business Transformation. Uh, strategy, and we did it even before we turned one year old. So Matt and I will be receiving award in, in the end of January. At Congratulations. The Thank you. And um, this was very unexpected, but we played to win, right? We knew we didn't even turn one year old before we submitted, but we went for it. Um, our This program is referred to as a strategic initiative in all our external CEO communications, um, executive communications, etc. And Christine, who is leading our engagement pillar, is really expanding fast in external realm. Uh, we have some features on LinkedIn. We're, we're going to have some features on Very God Boss and et cetera. So we're just starting to scratch the surface because our focus is focused on the strategic business needs of our company and our executive stakeholders. But we're certainly expanding and we're scaling. Also, um, if we view TAP as evolving strategic initiatives, that's how it's referred to in external com, and we kind of have the moonshot goal in mind, it's uh, ultimately about transforming of how we refer to what we currently call as human resources or talent capital or human capital, specifically making this shift because words um, empower mindset from human capital to agile talent ecosystems, transcending these organizational silos and geographical boundaries. It is about continuously building and evolving this critical organizational skill sets of the future, while simultaneously also creating culture that enables these diverse teams, diverse employees, diverse human beings to thrive in any external environment. So that's, that's a fundamental shift. That's a lot in there. Like you went deep. That, that, that you're, you're so right. You're so right. We're really rethinking work, like just at a profound level. What does it mean? What is the role of, an, of a human inside the organization? Um, and just going back to the question of, you know, how can someone learn from you guys? You know, maybe I'll convince you to come to our conference on stage, go a little deeper, maybe even do some workshops. But I'll go to Christine. Your comments on either V next or V final. You know, dream with us there for a few minutes if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, so when you say V next, you know, it kind of just reminds me of coincidentally Pepsi, right? I know you just launched Pepsi, but Generation Next. And I think for TAP, it's really reaching the next generation of Seagate employees um, around the world. That's, I feel like that's where we are going next is we're doubling down on our people strategy and our people strategy really is internally focused first and development. I mean, 
you know, that's where I sit in, in, in the world of HR is, is to support the CHRO. And I know her mindset is focusing on the talent we have right now versus the talent we, we want, you know, and, and to grow our, our, our um, talent with from within because she really believes in it. I mean I believe in our, our team too because we wouldn't have Seagate wouldn't be where it's at without the employees that we currently have so it's really doubling down on that type of culture our values and really making employees feel that um, through programs like our, our the talent acceleration program so you know doing that and then thinking about what our capabilities are going to be needed in not only five years, but maybe 10 years from now, and then shifting our TAP program to really tailor to those is preparing our organization now. I mean, that's what we need to do to succeed in the future is we need to do this now um, so that we can thrive in, in the future. Um, I think that's really what's going to be generation next for Seagate. <laughs> Love that. Love that. I mean, you guys lived up to, you know, the chemistry and, and the Avenger vibe that you brought, which has been amazing. Um, Christine, you mentioned, you know, was CHRO that was asking those questions. Part of our season two, we're actually going to be really thinking hard about, you know, which C-level, you know, will be the, the leader of the people initiatives. We're having serious internal debates, like like intense debates. We, we have many contenders. We think CHRO is an obvious candidate, of course, but there's also the COO perspectives, right? Operational, Matt, you have operational backgrounds. We also think the CTO, CIO, given they have to be a part of the conversation, no doubt, because although I didn't push today on making employee data actionable, we didn't go too far into it. I foundationally believe this will be in whether it's your V next or the V next next or next next next, but at some point, understanding the employee experience through data will be key. We're also curious about the CMO's role in all this because when you think about brand and you think about you know brand's reflection of culture and they communicate externally, is it the CMO that's adding another audience and how do they participate in all this? What if the CMO was a part of your program? But um, I, I kind of went into teasing out what's next. So, um, Christine, Ina, Matt, just uh, grateful for you taking the time. I know it was multiple sessions for us to produce this. I, I hope this is uh, helpful for our audiences and our listeners. And, and I look forward to our next conversation. Maybe you guys will join our conference, but I'd love to stay in touch and, um, you know, see where TAP and the, the Avengers take it. So thank you, Matt, Ina, and Christine. Thank you very much, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Been a great experience. Thank you. Over and out.